From today's gospel, the last lines, Jesus got out of the boat. He saw the vast crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus began to teach them many things. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. Last week, they released in England a poll, a survey. Lord, save us from another poll, another survey. Ah, gee. Anyway, they released another survey, another poll they did in England. So they were asking people of different age brackets what to do about the problem they're having in England. See, they're having economic problems in England because uh, so many of the people who paid into the retirement system, now they're retiring. Well, that puts a squeeze on the people who are not yet retired, but they're paying into the system. And then there are the people, say, 30 years old or younger. So they said, they asked the different groups, what are we going to do? What should we do? Well, the people who were retired or nearing retirement, they said, well, uh, what we paid in, that's what we expect to get out, so pay us. And the people who were um, in between 30 and retirement, they said about the same thing. The people under 30 said, the majority of them said this, let them die. Let them die. That's a decadent culture, isn't it? Uh, oh, well, they're old. <laughs> let them die. The, um, uh, so uh, you can see what uh, John Paul II was talking about. It's, it's not magic. Uh, a lot of people in England have fallen away from making him the center of their lives. And now the culture is decadent. It might surprise you, but just over 100 years ago, Helen Keller, a woman who was severely disabled, she was part of a new movement called eugenics, which said, what did she, what is, oh yeah, let them die. You mean if somebody's got these terrible disabilities and, or they're old and they're sick and, yeah, let them die. Isn't that amazing that someone who was helped by Annie Sullivan would say those kind of things? Teddy Roosevelt was part of that movement. It's a lot of folks were a part of that movement, if you, if you look into it. Eugenics. Well, um, when you think of that and you look back 400 years ago, St. Camillus said, oh, look, there are sick people. Let's help them. Let's help them get better. Um, let's care for them, or if they're dying, let's show them the dignity um, of um, Christian service. Um, the, um, I mentioned on page four that yesterday, in 1830, Our Lady appeared to St. Catherine Labore in Paris. That's 185 years ago. Um, St. Catherine was a young woman of 24 and she just entered this new order started by St. Vincent de Paul and St. Louise de Marillac. Now, St. Vincent de Paul was a priest in France, and he had always, always, from the very beginning, he had always worked with the very poor. Oh, wait a minute. There were those several years where he just worked with the king and queen of France. <laughs> wow. They're not poor. They're not poor. So he was... He was riding high. And then God God said, uh, I need you over here working with the poor. The last part of his life, he worked only with the poor. And he got uh, St. Louis de Marillac. The two of them put their heads together and they started an order, a religious order, uh, especially working with the poor, the, the sick, 
the, the homeless, the dying. You get the idea. St. Uh, Catherine Labyrinth, beautiful young woman in France, and she had just signed on to be a daughter of charity when she had a dream and she saw this man in her dreams who was calling her to this work. She had no idea who this man was. Um, later on, when she was passing a picture on the wall, she said, that's him. That's the man that I told you about. They said, well, that's, um, that's Monsignor Vincent, St. Vincent de Paul. She had seen him in her dream. Well, when, um, when all of this was happening, she was living in Paris. She was working with uh, sailors who had, uh, when they were younger, they, uh, they really didn't plan for their retirement. So after they were hurt or injured or just old, they had nowhere to go. So they had a, a home for sailors. To, so she was always cleaning up a mess or, or cooking food for them or, or nursing them through their sickness or helping them die. Yeah, St. Catherine Labore. Um, friends, in this gospel, in this gospel, Jesus is seen as the, the good shepherd and he's training other men to be good shepherds, the, the apostles. Um, and they've been working. They haven't had time to turn around. They haven't had time to rest. They haven't had time to eat. And so Jesus said, okay, let's stop. Let's go to a deserted place. Let's go to Greenville. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, so uh, Quinlan. Right? Anyway, so they, um, uh, they got into the boat. They, they, they sailed away. And when they got there, it was full of people. Um, so what did Jesus do? He was going with his apostles to pray. Well, what he, I imagine what he did, he was teaching them. So he began to teach them many things. Imagine one of the things he was teaching them was how to pray. The, um, the apostles thought they were going to just go and pray with Jesus, you know, kind of be alone, um, you know, light a candle, you know, be alone with Jesus. But there were all these other people. Um, the, um, if you've changed uh, diapers uh, for your baby or you've prepared um, a meal for your family or any number of things, um, you know, for your children or for your older kids, You've been you've been doing similar work as uh, the good shepherd. Um, the same thing with um, taking care of someone who's sick, maybe a, a sibling or an aunt or an uncle or parent. Um, you've been you've been uh, in the position of being uh, a good shepherd like Jesus. Um, Saint Catherine was able to do this because part of her life as a daughter of charity was to pray and work. Um, eight days ago, uh, July 11th, was the Feast of St. Benedict. Um, he lived a long time ago. He died in 543. That's a long time ago, 1,500 years ago. And all the different monasteries, all the different convents that St. Benedict started, he had it carved in stone over the door for the men or for the women. Ora et labora, pray and work. Why is that necessary? Because um, most of us, if left to our own devices, we work, 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 work. And we never think about that other word, pray, pray and work. So he had it carved in stone so they couldn't 
get away from it. St. Saint, um, Saint Catherine Labore was working. She was taking care of other people, not members of her family. Um, and uh, you can see uh, what God did through her. I should also tell you that she died in the year 1876. Um, the, the, when she died, uh, she, was, uh, she was the one Our Lady appeared to about the miraculous medal. No one knew about it. No one, who, no one knew who the sister was until eight months before she died. She wouldn't tell anybody except the priest who heard her confession. He's the one who had to do all the heavy lifting with the miraculous medal. But at the very end of her life, she had to disclose her identity to the other sisters uh, because of uh, a couple of other things. I, I won't go into them right now. But when she died in 1876, they prepared her body, they dressed her in her religious habit, and they buried her. They did not embalm her body. Why? Well, this is the Catholic Church. You don't expect us to waste money, do you, like that, embalming her body? Oh, come on. So they, they, um, they dressed her, the sisters dressed her, they buried her body immediately. Years later, they exhumed her body. They dug up her body, and her body was just like the day before she died. Her body was perfect. Now, the clothes, her habit, had disintegrated, so the sisters removed it, and they washed her body. They put a new habit on her. Her, her body was not stiff. Her body could still move and all that. I mean, they had to move her body. And what they did was they put her behind glass in the chapel, um, under the altar over there, behind glass, they folded her hands, and there she is to this day. She just looks like she's there asleep, kind of like some of you right now. The, uh, what's even more amazing is on this side of the chapel, the woman who worked with St. Vincent de Paul, St. Louise de Marillac, the one who got this whole order going, same thing with her. She died. They buried her. Years later, they exhumed her body. Same thing. It's amazing. See, the, um, this idea about um, 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 serving as a good shepherd, yeah, it's for the apostles and their successors. Those would be bishops and those who work with the bishops. That would be priests and deacons and brothers and sisters and everyone else in the church. We're called to be, um, to be um, uh, imitating Christ, the good shepherd, in caring for others. So if, you, if you've had to babysit for nieces or nephews or you've had to care for someone um, who can't take care of themselves, in some way you're imitating the Good Shepherd. You know, yesterday was Saturday morning and most parents say, oh good, it's Saturday. I want to get up early and watch cartoons. Right? Right. Yeah, sure. No. Why do mom and dad get up early on Saturday? Because the kids are up. Somebody's going to make breakfast. Um, so parents, like our late, I was talking about last Sunday, Our Lady said each time in 1917 that she appeared to those three children at Fatima, she said, pray the rosary every day. Pray and work. Pray and work. Now, there's a family I know. I've known them for a long time. And their kids are always complaining about praying. See, they, they pray with their kids in the morning. 
and they pray with their kids at night. They pray with their kids before meals. They pray with their kids at 3 o'clock. They, they pray with their kids on a plane, on a train. I'm sorry, that's green eggs and ham. The, uh, they pray with their kids all the time. And you know what the kids say? It's hilarious. They say, we pray too much. We pray too much. <laughs> I get a kick out of that. You know, the same kids, some parents, when they hear their kids say, we pray too much, you know what they stop doing? They stop praying. Well, the kids said they don't like to pray. That's so we. They also said they don't like to study. No more studying. They also said they don't like to go to school. Oh, no more going to school. They also are the same kids who would say, let's have pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. No. No. You often... Why is, it, why is it when they say we pray too much that parents just fold like a cheap suit? Um, or a house of cards, I should say. They, um, I don't know. But Jesus is showing us that as a good shepherd, the, as good shepherds, the apostles need to take time out with Jesus. And if you're parents or grandparents, sometimes you're just going to have to take your kids, whether they like it or not, to Jesus and pray. I'm sorry, that's right. They can always do that in public school. That we live in a decadent culture. Um, and those people in England who are a majority, under 30, who just say, let them die, and no one's exposed them. Obviously, people have not exposed them to Jesus and his teachings and to prayer. Um, the, um, each individual has a need for physical care. But there's also the spiritual, the spiritual dimension of every person. You have a body and you have a soul. The same thing for your children. Um, the, um, and so what Jesus is doing here, every time you've done these things with your own children, you resemble Jesus as the good shepherd. When you, when you lead your children or others or you help other people, um, you're resembling the Good Shepherd. Now, sometimes you have to help people who are older. Maybe they've lost their memory. Maybe they've lost their mind. It's not very pleasant. Oh, thank you for helping me. No, sometimes they, they give you a terrible time. Um, you can understand that when they're, when they're little um, or even when they're teenagers. You can kind of understand it when they're sick or suffering. But when they're older, they're not so cuddly and all that. You have to look past that and take care of their needs. Um, but you won't, you won't be able to do this on your own. You, you absolutely will not uh, unless you recharge. Think of that uh, fancy iPhone that you have or your friend has. Hey, that's great. You don't recharge it. It's a very expensive paperweight. And as Christians, we just can go along, work, work, work. No prayer, and we're good for nothing. We're we're good for nothing. We we uh, we've we've reached the end of our rope. We can't do any more. We have to recharge. Um, Jesus is the one to refresh us. He leads us to life-giving streams. That beautiful Psalm today, Psalm 23. So parents, think about this. You mention these kind of things to your children, and you're going to hear from your kids. We pray too much. Thank you. When I ask, when I want your opinion, I'll ask you. The, uh, what is it? 
the beatings will continue until everyone is happy. Something like that, right? I'm just kidding, okay? The, uh, but Jesus, Jesus is a good shepherd. He's training uh, the most unlikely people. I mean, St. Catherine Labrae, what a sweetie. But St. Camillus, I mean, St. Gorilla, right? I mean, six foot six, he's huge. And here he is taking care of the, the sick and the dying, the, the homeless, the poor. Amazing what God did, turned his life around in such an amazing way. And he can do the same for us. Jesus got out of the boat. He saw the vast crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit.